Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with guest pastor Char Broderson. Before we begin, a note of warning. The topic we're about to explore may not be suitable for our younger listeners. See, in Christianity, you must sacrifice your freedoms in order to follow Jesus. But in so doing, Jesus offers you a greater identity than you could ever make for yourself. And he offers you infinite meaning. So you can have infinite freedom, little meaning. That's what our culture offers us. Or you can have limited freedom, but you can have infinite meaning. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Char Broderson continues our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Char concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20, in a message titled, How Can the Biblical Sexual Ethic Be Good for Everyone? And now, here's Pastor Char. Now people have gone back and said, oh, this is homoerotica in the scripture. This is what was going on with David and Jonathan. It's simply not true. And it's so hard for us to wrap our our minds around this idea. You could have, you know, a relationship with another man that surpasses the love of women. What is that? Listen, could it be that David and Jonathan had such an intimate bond that it was more meaningful and more powerful than anything David did in bed with the multiple wives that he had? David had like, I don't know, 12 wives. I don't remember how many wives he had. But he had no other friend like Jonathan. It's a covenantal friendship. But see, we've relegated intimacy to mean only one thing. Sex. We need to rediscover the true nature of intimacy and friendship, especially in the church by celebrating the varied relationships and relationship dynamics that God has given to us. God is not banning anyone from deep intimacy or covenant relationships. The problem is with us. We define intimacy like our culture does to mean only sex. The church must put marriage and sex back in its proper place. We must. If we're going to put on display God's kingdom. Misstep step number four, if I don't find a spouse and have children, I'll never be or I'll never have a family. If you've ever experienced a real community in the church, you know that this is not true. You guys, I live for the last 16 years, 500 miles from my parents and my wife's parents. And this is not a reflection on their love their support, or anything like that. But I tell you what, God gave us surrogate aunts, surrogate uncles, grandmas and grandpas, friends, brothers and sisters, when none of our nuclear family was present. These people loved on us, and we loved them like they are family. And the way we talk, we talk as though we're family. And you know what? This is actually a very biblical idea. Remember, it was Jesus He's like, hey, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. They think you're nuts. And Jesus is like, who? Your mother and brothers, those who do the will of God are my mother and my brothers. Jesus redefines the family for us. And he invites any and all into this family of support, 
of care, of love and intimacy. God offers us in Christ all the love and security we will ever need, practically found in his family community, the church. Again, the problem is with us. We need to expand our idea of family to include friends, singles, couples, a surrogate aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, grandmas, and grandpas. The nuclear family is something that Jesus pushed against himself. Not only that, but in the new heaven and new earth, there will be no marriage except God's eternal covenant with his people. No family except the family of God made up of every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. Maybe we start there. Start defining ourselves by what God's forever family looks like. We start there. Misstep number five. If I don't find my other half, I'll forever be half a person. It's no, it's just not. It's not half and half make one. But I'm sorry, like this may sound ridiculous. I've read this in Christian books. I've heard pastors say stupid stuff like this. And when I, oh man, I like pull my hair out. Like I'm just going nuts when I hear stuff like this because it just ostracizes people. It's one and one makes one, actually. It's biblical math. It's a little different. Also, the Bible never uses those terms. When God says in Genesis 2, let me interpret this for you if you've struggled with this. When God says in Genesis 2 that it's not good that man should be alone, yes, of course he is talking about what he's going to do with woman. Why? Because God's going to create community. He's going to create society. Because God himself is a community. It's not exclusively about marriage, but we've defined it that way. It's not good for man to be alone, and we say it at marriage ceremonies, and I get why we say it, but sometimes our interpretation sounds like, oh, then if you're single, it means you're alone, and this isn't a good thing. Pull back a little bit. This is the seeds of human society, community. It's not good for human beings to be alone. What does that mean? We are meant and made for community because we've been made in the image of God who is Father, Son, and Spirit and who lives in love and deference, service, glory, and praise to one another. The dance of God that has gone on for all eternity. This is what we are made for. This is how human beings are to live in community, not just in marriage. The lack of wholeness that every human feels is due to a broken relationship with God, our creator. Jesus offers all people a healed and intimate relationship with God where we can experience human wholeness and flourishing. Reconciled to God, reconciled with ourselves, mind and body being healed to think correctly about our identity, our purpose, our mission. Reconciled to our neighbor, Human community reconciled to the creation as stewards over God's good work. Now, if what I'm saying about the biblical sexual ethic is true, then maybe I could imagine some pushback. Well, I'm the only type of person who has to deny myself sexually. If what you're saying is true, that this is the definition of sex for the Bible, then I'm the only type of person who has to deny myself sexually. That is not true. Listen. And listen good. This is very important. All followers of Jesus, just like Jesus, must submit and sacrifice their sexuality. 
and sexual expression to God. Every one of us are to be submissive to God with our sex and our sexuality. Listen, Jesus rejected the desires for sex and a wife. Do you know the cultural pressures of a 30-year-old man in that culture that was not married and did not have children? They were considered strange. Strange. Actually, not caring about Genesis 2, not caring about carrying on the lineage of you know, the covenant people. What is wrong with you, Jesus? You're suspicious. Jesus rejected the desire to have his own children so that his inheritance, the spirit, might fall upon us so that we might become the children of God. Jesus is our model. All Christians are called to practice sexual fidelity and self-control either in marriage or in our singleness. And in this way, we all have to go against our selfish, autonomous nature that wants to do life our way and on our own terms. And in this way, we follow the way of Jesus, we share in the fellowships of his suffering, and we become more like him. That's all of us, not just same-sex attracted people, not just people struggling with gender confusion. It's all of us sacrificing our sex and sexuality to the way of Jesus. Now, a few common objections before we close. Number one, I was born this way. And so this is then a rejection of me as a person. Now, as much as people make this statement, there is at this time no scientific proof of a gay gene. There simply isn't. And I don't say that like to be insensitive. Let me say this, though. Christians of all people should resonate with the fact that because of sin, we are born into confusion, brokenness, broken and wrong desires, and that God holds us morally responsible for all of these things. We all have different manifestations of the brokenness of sin. Some of us have a deep desire to hurt people. We must withstand those desires and bring them under the control of the spirit. Likewise with what the Bible calls sexual immorality and so on. What God offers all people who suffer under the brokenness of sin is the offer to be born again of the spirit and to be given a new nature, a new identity with new desires that are given to us by the Spirit of God. Desires to love God, to obey God, to please God. Desires to love other people in a selfless and self-sacrificial way, the way God loves. Now, does this mean then that those other desires will go away? And look, I'm talking about sexual desires. I'm also talking about anger, Violence, selfishness. We're talking about the whole thing. Think of Galatians 5. What the Bible refers to as the works of the flesh. Does this mean those desires will go away? Maybe and maybe not. The Bible never promises that in this life. But one day we will be freed from sin and sinful desires when God makes all of us whole. When God makes all things new. 
The Bible does teach, though, that we can be renewed in our minds, that we can be given new desires by God. And this is something that all of us have to train for as Christians, what we call spiritual formation through the spiritual disciplines, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we do take hold of our identity as followers of Jesus, and we take, you know, we train put into habit and practice the way of Jesus, those old desires can begin to lose their power and control over us. Actually, I believe that they will. They will lose their hold on us. And this is the call of every Christian to put to death the deeds of the flesh, your old way of thinking, of living, the way the world thinks, the way the world lives, and to follow Jesus. That's a very specific call. Follow Jesus, walk in the spirit, and not fulfill the desires of our past or our natural self. Just a few more. I know this this is a lot, sorry. This doesn't seem fair is another objection. I understand that, but I also would push back and ask, what do we mean by fair? And not to be insensitive, but what parts of life on this fallen planet are fair? Like, life is filled with unfairness. I always talk to my kids about this. Like, oh, that's not fair. Like, come on, work with me here. What do you mean by fairness? Oh, I could list a lot of things that are unfair between you and me right now, you know? Like, it's not fair that you're treating me like this, right? What do we mean by unfair? Let me say this. I believe it is unfair that we often call same-sex attracted Christians to deny themselves in order to follow Jesus, all the while we heterosexual people, whatever you want to call us, court porn addiction, dismiss marital unfaithfulness as nothing. Or if we're single, we hook up and somehow we justify our sin as being more okay or more sanitary than theirs. It is unfair and unrighteous anytime we call others to costly follow Jesus while neglecting that same call in our own lives. May we repent of that. Let me read to you from Ed Shaw's book, Same Sex Attraction in the Church. I highly recommend this book. He says, for some reason in our generation, following Jesus is no longer about sacrifice and suffering. Western Christians have, by and large, stopped denying ourselves. We now more talk about our right to be ourselves. Our Christian lives are more about self-gratification seemingly denying the existence of Jesus's words about taking up our cross and following him. They are a continuation of our previous lives with a thin Christian veneer, just being nicer to a few more people. The crosses we bear are the small annoyances we haven't yet managed to rid ourselves of rather than any significant suffering we intentionally embrace because we are following Jesus and want others to follow him too. We've chosen to ignore the fact that Jesus calls his disciples to make a conscious and costly decision to sacrifice ourselves, to say no to things we might want, even deserve or need, because that's what it means to follow his example. Dang. We need to get back to the way of Jesus. Jesus sacrificed himself Holistically, his life was one big sacrifice for our sake. 
Will we not follow Jesus in this way? So is the biblical sexual ethic good? I think part of the issue is our definition of good. So here we go. Is my definition of what I think or what our culture thinks goodness is actually good? Is it actually good? We must define good and goodness. Also, isn't this how humanity got into the whole predicament that we're in now? Adam and Eve judged for themselves what was right, good, and true rather than listening and obeying God who created them, who knew what he created them for and had richly given them all things to enjoy. They're pursuing autonomy and self-determination. Rejecting God's limitations on them is what brought sin and brokenness into the world. So when people talk about the biblical sexual ethic being good for people, what we mean, what I mean this morning, is that God defines goodness for us as our Father, our loving Creator. And He has put restrictions and limits on our freedom, not to keep us from blessing, but to preserve us for it. The good things that God has for us, that we might become what we were created to be. Therefore, in the biblical sexual ethic, you will find a limit on your freedom to express your sexuality however you might feel is true to you. But as I mentioned in the beginning of our study, has this self-expression truly brought freedom in the way human beings really long to be free? Has it also brought with it deep meaning and purpose for your life? See, in Christianity, you must sacrifice your freedoms in order to follow Jesus. Just as you must do for most good things in this world. They take sacrifice, discipline, building habits. But in so doing, Jesus offers you a greater identity than you could ever make for yourself. And he offers you infinite meaning. So you can have infinite freedom, little meaning. That's what our culture offers us. Or you can have limited freedom to live the way that you want to live. But you can have infinite meaning infinite purpose and mission under Jesus. See, God desires to give us a restored identity as his image bearers. He wants to bring us into covenant partnership with him. This, I'm talking about the meaning here. Through the work of Jesus and restore our original purpose to live under his rule and guidance, which will ultimately fulfill us, fulfill our longing. So, I mean, gosh, if you've experienced sex, you know what it's really like. It's not what you're looking for. Right? I mean, come on, can I get an amen? I've had sex. It's not heaven. Right? And that's not a reflection on my marriage. I love my wife and she loves me, but sex is penultimate. It cannot sustain a human being. It cannot be our one identity. We were made for so much more. And in God, we find that more. And I believe it is our call to come back to this biblical sexual ethic as a church to live it out faithfully so that when people come into our midst, they see, man, these people, they are generous with their time, with their money and the resources, but man, they're stingy with their bodies. And that's weird. And yet, I want what they have. It's hitting something that's missing in me. Because we are experiencing life in the kingdom of God. We're experiencing life as it was meant to be, where we're being healed by God's spirit at work in our life, by the community of Jesus surrounding us. We're all working with one another towards human wholeness. 
That's what the world around us needs to experience. Not billboards and picketing signs that let people know that God is anti-gay or anti-LGBTQ or any of that stuff. No, they need to see it. They need to see the fullness. They need to hear from our lives that offer of Jesus, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's what our culture needs from us. I am so far over my time, and I've got more to say. Let me just say this last thing. I promise that I will be done. Okay, here it is. In John, excuse me, in Mark 8, remember this is this offer of Jesus where he says, if anyone would save their life, lose it. Come and die is this offer, right? Jesus is not offering us a way to save ourselves or find ourselves. His offer is totally different. He offers us salvation from sin and its destruction from ourselves. <laughs> he offers us freedom from ourselves. He says to every one of us, lose yourself for my sake. Kill what you think is right, good, and true, and you will find new life in me, new identity in me, new understanding of rightness, goodness, and truth, a new understanding of what it means to be human, of what it means to be a sexual creature created by God, what it means to live in community and intimacy with others. Because in him, we find the flourishing and fulfillment that all of humanity longs for. So Jesus says, come and die in order that you may truly live. And listen, that's a really good thing when you feel dead inside. That is a really good thing when you feel lost and alone, purposeless and directionless, when you've been abused and taken advantage of, when you've been chewed up and spit out by the over-sexualization of our culture, when you've loved and lost. That is an incredible good offer. If you follow Jesus, you will have to limit your freedoms, but you will find, as I said, infinite meaning and purpose as a child of God, a member of the family of God, a participant in the new creation. This is good. And this offers to anyone and everyone who will give themselves to Jesus. Let me say this, last thing I promise. This isn't the end of this conversation for our church, but I think it's a good place to be. For the month of March, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. With all the chaos, unrest, and uncertainty in our world, behind it all is the unseen realm where a spiritual battle is being waged. And this spiritual battle not only affects the world collectively, but even our lives individually. This month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will give you an understanding of the battle that is raging behind the scenes you will understand the enemy who is waging war against you, his tactics, and how you can be equipped to emerge victorious. As people of God, we must be aware of the spiritual battle we're all involved in, the sophisticated ways in which we're constantly being attacked, and the provision for victory we have in Jesus. If you want to be equipped for the spiritual battle we're engaged in, or to be able to help others become equipped, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. 
to order The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from our guest, Pastor Char Broderson, as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. And it is the trip of a lifetime. So we'd love to have you join us. And if you're interested, we're going to have an informational meeting on Sunday, March 20th at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Or you can find out the details if you go online at israel.cccm.com. Yep. We hope you can join us. It's going to be great. It will be.